0: FM to get started.
1: I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. Now let the buzz begin. Hey everybody, welcome to the Legends of Tomorrow after show, breaking down all the craziness that happens on Legends of Tomorrow every Tuesday night on the CW. I'm Frank Moran.
0: I'm Dave Charles. I'm here in my living room. This is my living room. As you can (laughs) see, it's very spacious. Isn't it nice?
1: It's very TV friendly. Hey, check out. Yeah. I find that there are, there are
0: some great neighbors. There's a, a wonderful person across the street who's uh, always fully clothed and very beautiful. So that's what I appreciate
1: (laughs) about my neighbors. Uh, As always folks like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. The chat is up and running. So if you want to share your thoughts about anything we talk about that happened in this episode or just in general. Dave and I like to go on our tangents, so feel free to, to chime yeah. in as well with any tangents we go on. Yes, yeah, uh, so and we're,
0: we're seeing you. We're talking to you. I'm, I'm seeing all the chats, so just chime in whenever.
1: We're seeing you. <laughs> we're
0: seeing you. <laughs>
1: we're watching you. We're watching all
0: of you. That's that's.
1: <laughs> Please clean up that 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 uh, that table in front of the TV. It looks like it's great. Yeah. Uh, we're going to break down the, all this episode. We'll do, I'm sure, some uh, the internet's hottest special segment, Where's the Beef? Ooh, Where's the Beef? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we break down everything in detail, Dave Child, what did you think overall?
0: Oh, I had a lot of fun this episode. I think this was exactly the type of episode I wanted. I, I want them to figure out a way to do this basically every single episode. Have some sort of crazy concept that doesn't have to fit together very well. It's something that, if you think about it for ten seconds, it kind of falls apart. But what I love about it is it gave them excuse to be really out there, really silly, and just kind of have a lot of fun. And I enjoyed that. What do you think?
1: I. Oh, I... Oh, the, meta, right. the meta-ness of the episode was entertaining, but if I'm thinking about it as a setting up a, a conclusion to supposedly a season-long story arc, again, it just also made me just realize just how underwhelmed and how very little I care right. about this season as a whole. Yeah, it's,
0: it's hard to think that there's only one more episode, but one thing that I did like that they kind of resolved is Zari. And they 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 thought of a way to kind of have their cake and eat it too and have fun with the Zari kind of like, you know, now we have two Zaris. What are we going to do? And I like that. I like that they went into that, that they thought of a crazy way to bring back old Zari because I know we were all missing her. So that was nice.
1: Yeah. And uh, I would say great acting by, by her as well because really, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't until I really got to see the like her back that i realized oh, oh yeah she does a really great job with a the zari 2.0 affectation is definitely right. a distinct kind of performance than zari
0: 1.0 she's a completely different person it isn't just like an accent or something that she put on yes it's it's really nice to see that she knows how to be have different mannerisms have be a completely different person and but they also knew that if they just brought back the old zari it is kind of an ethical problem with the, with the new Zari <laughs> because you would have this new Zari just kind of destroyed and they had to think of this prestige part of the, how, to, how to kind of like fix this scenario. So,
1: you know, this was a inventive way. I, I would say of the two, uh, between Berod and Zari 2.0, uh, I thought the show did a great job of really getting me invested into Berod, where I generally enjoyed having him as part of right. the team. It took me a long time to warm up to Zari 2.0. And even now, to this point, while I I like her, I don't think I love her as much as I did Zari 1.0. Right,
0: right. I'm curious to see where they're going to go now. Like, if they are just going to choose one Zari, I want them to choose Zari 1.0. I don't really want them to go with Zari 2.0. I'd rather, like, stick with. But if they have both of them, I'm open to it. But if they choose one, I hope I hope the first one stays.
1: Uh, before we start talking more about what generally happened over the episode, I think I really want to get into with the, into this with you, Dave Child. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about this season-long big bad, the Fates yeah. and Charlie. I am so underwhelmed by them as villains. It is right, and like I felt like this episode where you get to see the bad guys win we were we would get to see them at least a little bit kind of seeing what their point of view is what they're doing how cruel cool they are and we saw nothing of them well we saw like
0: I, I i have the feeling they wanted to do this episode and they worked their way back like they had they had this idea for a trapped in the tv episode and wh- who each person would kind of be in that trapped in the tv and then they kind of worked their way back and it started with an Orwellian, very direct Orwellian kind of every, all life is controlled, 1984, Big Brother, all that stuff, old Apple commercial, you know, it had it had all of that feel to it. Um, and then like, because of that, yeah, there's no personality because they're parroting the big brother orwell thing and so there's no they're not saying anything about the big bad but it's kind of too late to do that anyways a lot of that stuff i've kind of resigned over (laughs) it was kind of like they had their chance they missed it i don't know what they could do now to kind of add some personality to the to the big bad or add some personality to charlie even i don't know i think they should have done that at least a couple of episodes ago it's
1: so. The way the last episode ends where it's just the two fate sisters and Charlie and it's Charlie it's up to Charlie to make a stand. She's tired running. She's going to do it. So I'm like, all right this episode we're going to get a really uh, get into seeing how Charlie can stand up to her sisters you be smart, play the game and still pull a victory out from underneath them. Right. Bring my and we saw hardly anything at Charlie and then the Charlie that we saw was still the very much submissive and acquiescent type of character. Yeah,
0: that was disappointing. I really thought, like, the whole reason they were still there is because she's playing a long game of Mm -hmm. how to, like, get them out of it. And her plan was to have the second Zari be a part of this and all that. And that just turned out to be by accident. And that was, like, that is a bummer. I I agree. And I don't think it would have been that big of a leap to just have Charlie be smart, the smartest person and not try to stop them. I liked, I thought when even she came in and said like, Oh no, don't do this. Not now. I thought she meant like, this is happening too soon. They're going to notice. You have Mm -hmm. to be like slower. You have to be more gradual. This is all happening way too fast. And that that's a mistake to, to have it happen this fast. And then when she's like, no, I just want them to live trapped in a TV show. I, that yeah. was disappointing. It was like, no, Charlie, now I don't, that's not, that doesn't make me like you if, if you're like championing that. So
1: I, what I worry about is the show. The reason we don't see more of Charlie is because while the, the the producers and the writers may love the actor who portrays Charlie, they don't know what to do with the character of Charlie. Even trying to give her more this season, it's still, they've right. always pushed her off to the side. And so I just really feel like Charlie needs to go by for next season. I just I understand that you an actor loses a job, but this character is just doing nothing for me at all.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what more they can do with Charlie. I don't. I think they they've reached the peak Charliness right now, and like you said, I don't think they delivered. So I would agree with that, unfortunately. But you know, yeah, I because also it's it does say a lot that you can just take Charlie away from the group and you still have a show. it doesn't really fall apart. some some aspect of the show that we like falls apart if other characters are taken out of the equation but Charlie is someone that you could just take out and it's fine.
1: I mean and, I agree because what does it I feel like what does it say for the show where they can take Berat and Zari 2.0 and in a season, you genuinely invested in those characters and caring right. about what happens to them, and they've had a couple seasons with Charlie, and they haven't been able to do that at all.
0: Nothing. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, well, I wanted. I, to if t- that's, I, that's I would awesome. say that's
0: that might be a problem with shapeshifters, but I've been watching a lot of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and Odo is, is great. He's great.
1: awesome. There, there's so much done with uh, with Odo. I really enjoy that character tremendously. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. That's some of the, the the stuff that's been frustrating me. But I figured let's get that out of the way so we can really dive into the what the Dave Child bits and pieces that he loved.
0: <laughs> I say that like what sort of stuff Dave Child
1: liked about? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your dumb Frank stuff. Let's talk about the Dave Child stuff that's cool.
0: Well, I just like I don't know. There's not there's not a lot of thinking involved in this episode. It's not like. They're diving into very intelligent parodies of stuff. I just had a lot of fun. And I feel like they, I, one thing I liked about it was they set up the different parodies and everyone's stuck in their different worlds. And then they never really leave that world until the end. Like even their character is still in that world as it goes into other worlds. And I like that and I thought that was really smart like you even see that in the beginning with Mona and Gary where they're like in the Orwellian world and they never really get out of it they just do Orwellian stuff to kind of try and help out from that side of things where they're watching everything and then you go to the Friends episode called Ultimate Buds first and they do a good job of like the the goofy Friends quality stuff but also making it Hold on, two! <laughs> Having it be like um, Nate and Bernard and, uh, and Zari was a good choice because you had that like Ross and Rachel and then the person that's on and off again relationship. I thought for sure Constantine was actually going to come into this and he was going to be like the, they're going to play the love triangle thing that happens in like sitcoms. But they didn't. Um, But I like that they set this up. And they also made it so it's not that far outside of the character of Barard and Nate to like have them be goofy sitcom characters for the rest of the episode and put them in different scenarios and they can still be goofy buds because they're like that on the show anyways. (laughs) Like It's not a big leap. So to have that kind of carry through was a good idea. And also have Zari 1.0 be the straight, straight person who's kind of knows this is up is good for that Zari because that Zari is like very like factual, kind of down to earth, realistic. She's not as like goofy as the rest of the cast. So it was good that they brought if it was Zari 2.0, that's a goofy Zari. It wouldn't quite fit. So it was nice.
1: Uh, this episode directed by Bart Guggenheim, who uh, executive producer of Arrow, a uh, consulting producer on Legends of Tomorrow, first time directing a TV episode. Oh. Uh, yeah, and so in, in an interview he said uh, he wouldn't want to direct Arrow as his first time episode because he feels like that's a, a too too intensive of a show for a first time director. Right. So he felt Legends the perfect show if he was going <laughs> to do his first time directing. Uh,
0: I, I think he, it's a funny way of putting it because it sounds like. Arrow's
1: a real show. So
0: uh <laughs> it's true. I, I felt like that would be hard. I decided to go to this weird show. This 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 dumb show off to the side where I could just do whatever I want. But that's what I like about this. Show. I think it makes it a better show than Arrow. Arrow's I don't know. I don't watch Arrow anymore. I still watch Legends of Tomorrow. So I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh the one thing I like about this is that he wanted to do is faithfully replicate the three different TV genres that we visit here. So right. we've got a, a sitcom with friends, we've got a Downton Abbey-esque type show, and then we've got a Star Trek-esque show. Mm-hmm. And what I did like about this episode is that it definitely felt like when you're on Ultimate Buds, it had that vibe of like, oh yeah, this feels very... It looked like you're... The, the blocking of it and everything, they shot it with three cameras, made it yeah. look like you're watching an episode of Friends.
0: Right, right. That was good. I, uh, I felt that... <laughs> Only felt like it stuck visually to the genre in the Friends world. I feel like there were little hints of it in other in the other episodes. Like when it we went to Down Abbey, I love that we got to see like the opening title credits because that's one of my favorite parts about Down Abbey. But besides that, it was still kind of shot like a CW show. Like it was still like the camera still kind of looked like it was Legends of Tomorrow or something. It didn't quite. I don't think it embodied that cinematic feel that like Downton Abbey has. Downton Abbey feels like you're watching a movie. Like it, it has. It feels like widescreen. They should have changed the aspect ratio or something to it, or it should have had like more of a like an actual mystique to it. And then I wish they did that. They did it a little bit in Star Trek, but I feel like, and this is real nitpicky, and I still liked it, but I feel like they were mixing star trek discovery with star trek original series like there was one shot that looked too good for star trek which was the like (laughs) you know it had like this wide pan where it moved out and you got to see the whole them walking and it looked really cool and then it went to like the effects and it's and it's a janky model (laughs) i'm like if you're gonna go original star trek they're those are like locked off shots. Those are like you have the wide, you have the close, you have the wide, you have the close. And that that's like it.
1: As oh, that's far so as true. like
0: you know, so it's like they the style of it, like they could have been a bit smarter with it, but I, I think it was still fine. It was still fun.
1: I would agree. I mean that that is one thing I did like, and they even referenced it in that our Guggenheim interview, is that they built models. Of the Wave Rider and the uh, the Gromulan ship, and basically just you know did what they did old school, moving the camera along that ship to make it look like it was the ship that was moving. So I appreciated yeah. that uh, for good old uh, for Star Trip, as the series is called. Yeah, Star
0: Trip. I like the okay. So we have Ultimate Buds, High Castle Abbey. That was nice. High Castle Abbey. They even did like they almost like <laughs> had some uh, copyright infringement with the. <laughs> High Castle Abbey. That was like so spot on. Expect the opening title credits were like really spot on. Even the like um, the font and the, the design of, of by the way, one thing that always happens whenever I bought an afterbuzz show and I bring up Downton Abbey, everyone is surprised by the fact that I'm a Downton Abbey fan. And I <laughs> I went opening night to the movie when the movie came out. I went <laughs> I went opening night to that. It's well,
1: great. Dave, show them them your Maggie Smith chest hat.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's not appropriate for right now. There might be children watching. It's very graphic. It's a very graphic Maggie (laughs) Smith tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And, And I also, one thing, back to the characters and the characters personifying each of the parodies, this was nice too for Constantine and and also and the Astra and Astra and Astra's mom being yes. in that scenario. And they like and they even hit this on the head at the end of the episode. But it was great because all Constantine really wants is to take care of them. So of course he's the valet. That's really smart. And also making it so he's like kind of you don't think of him as like an upper crust really fancy British gentleman but like he is kind of a snob and you do see him kind of like in a different way than 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 is portrayed in Downton Abbey but it still works it's like the personality still kind of fits into that and I think and I it was nice to see him do a slightly different accent throughout the whole episode and be stuck in that character of the valet like of the Mr. Bates sort of character the entire way. So it was, it was nice.
1: Now, uh, as a devout Down Abbey fan, uh-huh. how much would the show be improved if it did have a warlock in it? Uh, I, I would love if that suddenly happened
0: in the middle of Downton Abbey. <laughs> I, I think only because I love the idea of shows like imploding I have this weird fascination of like musical episodes for instance not a lot of I feel like every now and then every show has the moment where it becomes a musical episode and that shows that like it's you're on the way out you're on the way out if you're going with the musical episode and it happens so often um but like so that would be an example of all of a sudden if there's ghosts if there's warlocks, if there's ghosts on Friends, or if there's like warlocks on on uh, on Downton Abbey, that would be like mm, prime
1: <laughs> implosion. Do we do we have to uh, credit slash blame Joss Whedon for the musical episodes? Because I feel like they weren't as prevalent until once more a feeling came out. Right. That might be true. That might be true. But that was like
0: an actual good episode. Yes. And that didn't feel like. You know, what happens is most of that, you could tell, and there's even a little bit of that in this episode. I feel like there's maybe a nod towards that in this episode, where you could tell that there's actors that are like, by the way, I can really sing. If you want me to sing ever, I'm really actually surprisingly good. And so they (laughs) want to like show that off. And I don't know. It's what I loved about the song in this episode is how, how bleak and terrible it is and it's just leading into it that was good if it was like a heartfelt actually good song like at the end i would be pretty disappointed i would want it to be like i the fact that it was part of this kind of bleak kind of dystopian world was even that was even perfect
1: (laughs) uh so basically, folks, the, uh, the overall thrust of this episode, because we've been talking about all the different things, is basically Mona and Gary wake up in a dystopian, as uh, Dave was saying, kind of a uh, Orwellian future, where they're mm. basically rewriting history to make it more just uh, less, less arguing, less fighting. It's just more peaceful, more sedate. And uh, the only thing that we see now is that they only eat mush and they get their entertainment through television. So Mona goes home, looks watching the TV shows, the three different series that we've talked about with our various legends on there. Finally, Mona realizes, hey, my gosh, they've said my name. They're talking about me. Maybe they're talking about Gary. They break into the TV station, Clotho's Place, and find this huge automated area that is generating scripts for these TV shows. And Mona decides, hey, I've had enough of this. I'm going to uh, start typing away on this. And she changes it that the legends remember everything, which is cool because it's not just them remembering what's happened this season, but them also remembering the old timeline and Zari 1.0, which I really right. like. That.
0: Yeah. It's a good way of like, one thing I like about this episode is it's so loosey goosey that it, there's no rules. It's like, it's magic. <laughs> it's like the fact that it's a magic device, like threads, causing everything you could easily have it like everyone's stuck in tv shows and moving around to tv shows everyone's like they she's able to split the the strands and have two zaris That's they're able to like remember everything and just kind of clean things up i love that personally and most of the time i don't like that in the tv show because it's breaking rules but i it's the type of rules i want in legends of tomorrow the fact yeah. that just like the no rules just right Outback Steakhouse quality of Legends of Tomorrow.
1: <laughs> well, they are a sponsor of Legends of Tomorrow, so of course, make, yeah. I think next week everybody's holding Bloomin' Onions as, yeah. they're, as they're fighting I the game. I just pictured
0: like McRory eating a, a Bloomin' Onion.
1: <laughs> uh, just uh, swinging down that great Aussie beer. Right. Yeah, baby! Uh, and so... <laughs> ahead, a lot buddy. of people in the chat
0: are loving how like, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the not today satan for one from Nate but also like that the fact that we get Nate and Zari back it's it was everyone was really i I enjoyed that and it also made me relieved because i thought they were heading down this constantine path which they still can do with the other zari and i like sure. how now you can have like Nate and Zari
1: that's what i wanted it um but i also felt like as much as we're like, uh, what's the deal with Constantine and Zari? We saw that after Nate and Zari were making out, and Constantine's there as well. He makes a snide comment that's like, oh, yeah, you know, where's you know, about Zari 2.0 wanting her around. So I'm like, oh, right. they really are going to try to make that happen.
0: I mean, yeah, that's what they were. They, they thought of a way to build the tension so that they were forcing this, like, I don't know. I think it's going to be addressed and forgotten about pretty quickly. But it could be a thing with Constantine and Zari.
1: Now, uh, going back to Star Trek, uh, yes, lots playing uh, the captain, co-captain of the uh, the Wave Rider, but uh, doing her best William Shatner esque impression as that really. character. Uh, of course, then we've got Dominic uh, Purcell, who's never seen of Khan, basing his performance. On Mark Guggenheim's description of Ricardo Montalban playing Khan, is that what happened? Is that yes. what yes? This, this that's, that's what happened. So, who was who more successfully emulated the their uh, counterpart? Well, just to jump
0: a little bit ahead to to the beefiness of this episode, but like, like,
1: there's never too late, never too soon to jump into beef.
0: Okay, so I think this is the this is like. The couple of beefs that I have with this episode is we d- we should have had a lot more Con McRory. Like we didn't see enough of that. Like I, the hair and him, just like I don't care what he, he wasn't doing. Carl Montem, like he wasn't doing. <laughs> he was just like he he was just enjoying the hair and enjoying like being the villain and stuff. And that's and that was that was great. He described. What happened in Wrath of Khan? You know, being stuck on a planet and everything. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> that's true. Yep. Hey, but you're right. With that, with that, that great wig, why isn't he around more? I wanted to see him. Uh, you know, yeah. in, in the cul-de-sac with that long hair, just realizing, oh yeah, wait, this is. A yeah, guy.
0: imagine him being like in all these scenarios, just being like <laughs> that con character but stuck at this as the villain, you know? That would be, I don't know, that would be fun. No, I, I, I wish like that. that was there. That was My a, other uh, beef is a oh, logic yeah. beef. Yes. It's a, it's a small logic beef. Mm. There's not a lot That's of a, rules. Yeah. It's just, mm, 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 mm. Um, there's not a lot of rules to this episode. <laughs> and I like that, the Outback Steakhouse the quality of it. But um, the one rule it has is people are watching TV and they're jumping from show to show how is everyone watching like four different shows at once i don't understand how like they're acting like they're watching whenever we're on that episode it feels like they've been watching that episode they're not like why are we suddenly on this episode why are we suddenly at down Abbey?" like they're all watching it going like cool now we're at parker mr parker's place like it's it looks like they're all watching it concurrently, five episodes of television at one time, and they're just seeing these characters jump in between all of them.
1: I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, because I, from our perspective, we're following the characters as they're kind of going from show to show. But as a viewer on the outside world watching these, you would you would think that once they were on Ultimate Buds and jumped to High Castle Abbey, that you're just looking at the set of Ultimate Buds and going like, so where are they? Are they coming back? What's going on? They?
0: What's what's happening? The people that are watching uh, like the High Castle Abbey, all of a sudden they're seeing these characters ha- appear. Yeah. And the same thing, like what I wanted was like when, <laughs> when uh, Zari and Nate started making out, I just wanted to cut to like some kids just watching like in their living room, <laughs> Mr. Parker's like cul-de-sac and just have that be them watching two people make out hardcore on this PBS show, they should each have distinct, different audiences. Instead, it went to like each one, and I didn't. It, it should have just been like you should have at least seen people like changing channels until they found them or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it was enough to. I, it it just it that I didn't quite understand, but I also don't care that much. Don't think about
1: <laughs> it. Uh, we. Uh, we end the episode with Charlie trying to beg and plead with the Legends to just go back to the being on TV show characters. Just do that; it right. would be safe. You can live forever. You can always win. And the Legends say, "No, this isn't any sort of life." Uh, and they also incite the populace to rise up as well. So uh, you know
0: what I—you know what I also wanted at the end of this episode was them to get back to their normal lives. And them and for them to doubt that they even left their TV. Because I feel like there should be a moment where it would be great if they went back to the Wave Rider. They kind of somehow fixed I guess they can't really do this, but if they somehow fixed everything, then it would be just like, Yeah, but we we do win the day a lot. And quickly. <laughs> and we are always on this one place. Like they start to doubt that they think that they're in a simulation, which would be like... <laughs> I would love it, but, you know, whatever. It—it
1: <laughs> yeah, It is weird because it seems like they, at the end, they all become their true selves. Uh, back in the original clothing and stuff, Sarah's got her sunglasses back on, Constantine's right. back in his familiar uh, trench coat. Uh, I assume that's the same studio that they've been filming all these series from? So... <laughs> So, like, what happened to the audiences, the, the camera people? They're all gone? What, what oh, else? no.
0: It's all magic, man. It's magic oh. TV.
1: Oh, got it's, it. it
0: okay. You know, it, I feel like what they're in when they escape is they're still like in the magic TV, but they're willing themselves out of it because it's the fact that they recognize it. Don't think about it too hard, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, don't think about it. Did you Go ahead? how did you like Zari's speech at the end where she goes into detail about the fact that they're not heroes they're just misfits
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, beautiful mm. that's what yeah i mean i want them to address the the thing that i've always struggled with this show yes uh, <laughs> like, are they heroes or are they just misfits I don't know. <laughs> The uh now with Astra the big thing the whole thing this season has been, hey, I, I can Constantine can bring my mom back. And we have this beat in High Castle Abbey where Constantine says, Hey, if this is gonna make you happy, if being around yeah. your mom, I am willing to spend eternity here making sure that two of you you ever get time together. And that's my
0: favorite the- part of this episode. That was my favorite part, just cause Constantine was like great
1: yeah. at that moment. I did like that. I feel like that was the most genuine human I've seen a moment of Constantine's that I've seen. Yeah. Where, you know, every, there was no pretense at all. Everything was just like, this is exactly how I feel. And I'm telling you. Uh, but ultimately Esther's uh, mom says, no, 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 you, you need to leave. I will be here. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll always be here for you. Do you feel that this has resolved the need for Astra to have her mom back? Or do we still need to play that beat in the season finale of will we? or won't we bring her mother back to life?
0: Well, I think they're going to have to address it a little bit because this is kind of a,
1: thematically
0: it all fit in with the season, but it's still like plot wise kind of out of left field. They still have to wrap everything up in canon and they're right now they're outside of canon. So they will have to address it a little bit about how like, my guess is that maybe we'll meet a new, is that Astra's going to totally change her life a little bit, but we'll see. Maybe she's always, maybe they're always like, um, she's always still been in hell or hasn't been in hell. All that needs to be addressed still. So we'll see.
1: Uh, I mean, we do have the season finale coming up next week. And so we've got, I guess a couple of things to address that Dave said, what, what's going to happen with Astra slash her mom. Is that need to be resolved? We also get, Rod, is he officially back to life now? Will he stay alive? Is yeah. on uh, 1.0 is already 2.0. Uh, do they both stay? Does one stay? Which one does stay? Uh, and then we also have Charlie and whatever's happening with these fates. And I will say up front, and she comes as no surprise to you, that I care about all of that except for what happens to Charlie and the fates. I don't fate. care zero yeah. about what happens to those.
0: I'm hoping they don't sacrifice one of the Zaris that's what I'm afraid of next next episode is there's going to be some sort of sacrifice because we have so many characters and some of them are like new ish characters mm-hmm. but you know we. Uh, I feel like they're going to keep her hard hopefully without getting spoilery um, but I feel like um, I don't know I'm, I'll be curious to see how they're actually going to wrap all of this up because they have a lot of heavy lifting still to do.
1: No, that so. is very true. I mean, I guess it would be interesting if you were only going to keep one Zari. I think I, I got to go with you and have Zari 1.0 because then I like the idea that she's getting to know both her and, Bar- and Barad still survives. Her and Barad are getting to know the each other's siblings all over again. Because this is not the sibling that Barad grew up with and Zari never got to grow up with her brother as well. So this is a chance for them to kind of forge a new connection which I think was more interesting than seeing Zari 2.0 and Barad kind of hanging out and doing their thing. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I. What do you want out of like next season's villain? What do you think is the perfect villain combo of having, not who the villain is, but like what sort of villain should we have?
1: You know, it's, as we talked about last week, like, I think Legend has been most successful when they've had, when they've used villains that have come in from the greater Arrowverse because they already bring that backstory in. So you already have a rooted investment. You have a vested interest in that character already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's really not a lot of space characters that we've seen in any of the Arrowverse, even Supergirl. So I don't think that that's going to happen so, I feel like it's really going to be incumbent on the show to whatever villain they choose to do what they've done with uh, Zari 2.0 and Barad this season is to really get us invested in them so that we care about, about yeah. these guys. That's what I want. I, I, if it's not going to be a villain we've never seen before, then, I, then please learn from this season and make me care about the villain. Doesn't mean I need to spend tons of time, but at least give me a little bit so that I'm invested in, in the season as a whole. I want the season-long villain to be cute, mixy,
0: sort of trickster god feeling. Mm. That's what I want. I want someone who, like, is charming, we get to like, but can put them in scenarios that are crazy and out of left field. And uh, they can parody stuff along the way and make Bebo into a giant person, but, like, you know, still have fun. And still have a charming character who's, like, grounded. That would be great. But we'll see. I want Darkseid. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: There you go. I mean, that what I'm describing is basically dark side, Is uh... <laughs> I, feel like,
1: I feel like, I think like dark Side is pretty much the only space character you could bring in that I think everybody has a general sense right. of, so, even if they don't know that much about him.
0: Just a reminder, everyone, is that they're going into space next season, is what we've heard. <laughs> so that's why we're talking about space so much. So
1: we'll see. And, you know, and then, you know, the rocket didn't go up today. So space is still on the mind. So we would have talked about it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, as I said, next week is going to be the season finale. Dave Child and I are going to be uh, coming to you through tear soaked eyes, breaking down this episode, constantly crying as, as constantly. we're talking about the episode constantly. Uh, but we're excited that you joined us for this episode as always like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes subscribe, subscribe. Words are tough at this time of night. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And thank you everybody for hopping in the chat, sharing your thoughts about anything we talked about. And Dave, if they want to stay in touch with you, if they want to find out about your singing voice, you know, or, (laughs) you know, or they want to see a spot pics of that, uh, that very, uh, risque Maggie Smith chest hat, uh, How can they get in touch with you
0: oh go to uh mr dave child on the twitters and the instagram and go to dave child.com because i love you and my name is dave
1: child <laughs> explicit maggie smith i think i'm uh, i want that to be my <laughs> my band name now uh folks follow me on twitter and instagram at happy go jackie that's gonna do it for this episode of the legends of tomorrow after show we'll be back here next wednesday night at 9 p.m pacific time for the season finale, right here on AfterBuzz TV. Speed off. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs>